0: W.A.B.C. New York and 107.1 W.L.I.R. Hampton Bays. It's the 77 W.A.B.C. News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 W.A.B.C.
1: Yep, that's me. Five o'clock. Good morning. It is Monday, November 13th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, cool high. 50 tonight and overnight some clouds low 43 and then it warms up as the week goes on tomorrow sun and clouds high 55 if you're walking out the door with us right now 29 and clear in terry town up in westchester county 26 and clear in pompton lakes down in new jersey and it is 35 and clear here in midtown so much to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hour sid and friends in the morning bizarre moment In Midtown yesterday, this was uh, midday, we got word that they had temporarily suspended service on Amtrak between New York City and the Croton Harmon area due to some structural issues. And I was like, all right, whatever, big deal. But we come to find out it's structural issues with a parking garage that's above the tracks on West 51st Street at 10th Avenue. So it wasn't another collapse, but pieces of the garage uh, fell fell in inward, I should say. And when they went down to look at this, you looked at the hole in the garage and what you saw below were the train tracks. (laughs) (laughs) which is a little frightening. You know, I've always had that moment when I'm driving around, you're like, there's so much up in the air and you wonder how does that affect all that's below, which is the subway systems and the trains. Well, Sure enough, they were worried that more of this might collapse onto the tracks if they kept the trains going on Amtrak. So uh, they called off a whole bunch of trains yesterday as the Department of Buildings went in to investigate. And sure enough, there it was, that hole in the parking garage where you could see down to the train tracks below. In this case, the Amtrak train station. train supposed
2: to come at 340, and I'm just sitting here waiting it uh, told me it was canceled. They told me it was canceled at freaking 3:50. I'm like, it's already late. Like you could have been told me this earlier, and I would have been, you know what I'm saying, made arrangements for that. But they didn't do that. It's just so inconvenient that I'm calling, and it's like nothing they can do. I'm just like, y'all put me in a bad situation.
1: Yeah, she seems a little unhappy. The Hudson View Garage, West 51st Street. Uh, if you normally parked there, well, you might have a hard time doing that today with that hole. That lots of people were looking at yesterday. And that
2: makes me really concerned about what is holding up this entire, like, 30-story building. There's just a web of things going on under our feet that we don't know about. And the more building we put on top of the ground... There's nothing. We're not really standing on solid foundation. Yeah, I'm
1: no engineer, but I'm kind of with her. I get worried when I see moments like this. In a moment, uh, Joe Nolan will be up and we'll get the latest on whether this is still affecting the commute on Amtrak today. We are also watching all day over the weekend this fire broke out, six-story building building in Little Italy. This was about 6 o'clock last night. Fire broke out, third-floor apartment, a bunch of firefighters injured battling the flames. On
0: arrival. We found heavy fire venting out of an apartment on the third floor. Uh, it quickly went up a staircase, an open staircase, extended to the fourth, fifth, and sixth floors, and eventually to the roof.
1: So it took about three hours to bring this fire under control. The had nine firefighters, two civilians injured. And the latest information we got is, thankfully, those injuries are. we're being told as of this morning at 5.04, are minor. Overseas, we are watching this over the weekend as well, getting more details on these five American service members who were aboard an aircraft uh, that were killed when it crashed into the Eastern Mediterranean Sea on Friday night. At the White House, NBC News, Aaron Gilchrist says, uh, President Biden, First Lady Jill Biden, mourning these deaths.
0: U.S. European Command says the service members were killed during that routine air refueling mission uh, it says that th- that was part of military training.
1: Yes, so they're saying no indication of any hostile activity, that it was just a training accident. The
0: initial military statement did say that this was purely related to training and that there's no indication of hostile activity.
1: Either way, just an awful story.
0: On this Veterans Day weekend, he again affirms what he calls the sacred obligation to those who volunteer to serve, as well as their families, their caregivers and supporters.
1: Yeah, Pentagon so far not releasing the identities of those crew members until formal notification is made to their families. And while we're talking about people in the line of duty, of course, it was Veterans Day over the weekend. Saturday, President Biden paying tribute to America's veterans speaking at Arlington National Cemetery in Virginia. Not
3: just for keeping the flame of freedom burning during the darkest of moments, but for serving our communities even after they hang up their uniforms inspiring the next generation to serve.
1: The president speaking to a crowd of about several thousand military members, their families following a wreath-laying ceremony at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Care
4: those we send into harm's way and to care for them and their families when they return home. It's not an obligation based on party or politics. But on a promise
1: it was with the family in D.C. over the weekend. And it was nice to see all those great ceremonies happening in honor of those veterans and the U.S carrying out more airstrikes in Syria over the weekend. Correspondent Megan Fitzgerald has more. Defense
2: Secretary Lloyd Austin in a statement saying the U.S. will defend itself and its personnel. It's the latest response from the Pentagon to a spike in attacks from Iranian backed groups on U.S. forces.
1: A U.S. defense official says the strikes were conducted against Iran-aligned groups. One of the targets reportedly a weapons storage facility that was hit by the military over the weekend.
2: There have been at least 47 attacks on U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria since October 17th. Since then, at least one American has died of a heart attack with at least 56 others suffering minor injuries.
1: Yeah, so we've been watching that. And, of course, there's lots of connections to the Israel-Hamas war. We'll get to that as the morning wears on. WABC News Time 509. Let's go out to the 2024 White House campaign trail. One last candidate in the race today, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott suspending his presidential campaign.
4: I am suspending my campaign. I, I think the voters uh, who are the most remarkable people on the planet, have been really clear that they're telling me not now, Tim.
1: Scott making the announcement in an interview with Fox News yesterday. He says he loves America more than he did when he started running, but when he returns to Iowa, he says it will not be as a presidential candidate. Notice he used the word suspend. So just in case there's some reason for him to get back into the race, he's not completely out. He is just suspended. Then you had GOP presidential hopeful Nikki Haley says uh, she's not concerned at all about President Trump's sizable lead in the polls. We are surging in the polls. Not only are we surging in the polls, if you look in the swing states, it shows that we beat Biden by 10 to 13 points. Of course, Haley served in the Trump administration, U.S. ambassador to the U.N., called him the president at the right time. But she also blamed, she says, the chaos that followed Trump for Republicans overall, the poor showings in elections since he was president.
0: I've always said he was the right president at the right time, and I agree with a lot of his policies.
4: The problem is drama and chaos follow him.
1: Yes. so she says enough of Trump.
4: We need to make sure that we have a new conservative leader. Republicans have lost the last seven out of eight popular votes for president.
1: Recent polls have Trump leading the GOP field by at least 40 points, which is, of course, an awful lot. Then you had the chair of the Republican National Committee brushing off a GOP presidential candidate's call for her to resign. We're talking about Ronna McDaniel.
4: What Republicans really want to hear from our candidates right now in terms of headlines is how are we going to take on Joe Biden? How are we going to take on the border crime? What's happening with Israel?
1: Rana McDaniel mom mama, uh, rather mocking Vivek Ramaswamy who criticized her during the GOP debate last week saying that uh, she should resign because they've done such a bad job with her as chair.
4: Last I checked I wasn't running for president you know he's at 4% he's looking for headlines
1: And then you had former New Jersey governor, current Republican presidential candidate, Chris Christie. He was in Israel over the weekend expressing solidarity in the war against Hamas. He got a close look at Israeli troops. Uh, He went into one of the kibbutzes that was uh, ransacked, where people were savagely murdered. Then he sat down for an interview with a number of foreign and local reporters And uh, he said after seeing everything that he had seen in Israel, he said he was surprised by the Palestinian movement back home. He said those people he thinks are misinformed. Well, look, I think
4: some of them just have to be confused. They have to be given horrible information. And I think that's happening, particularly on college campuses all over this country, um, by people with a much different agenda than the truth. And what I'd say is that, uh, like anybody, uh, advocates for the loss of innocent life of Israelis or Palestinians, but I'd remind them that There was a ceasefire in this conflict
3: before October 7th.
1: He is the first of any of the Republican candidates in the race for the White House to go to the Mideast during this war. Christie also visited a hospital in Tel Aviv, met with wounded soldiers and families of Israeli hostages yesterday. And Donald Trump Jr., he'll be back on the stand today as the first defense witness in the Trump Organization civil fraud trial in Lower Manhattan.
3: Lawyers representing former President Donald Trump His sons and their company will start their defense on Monday. The Trump family organization is being accused of inflating their wealth to obtain better loans. The New York Attorney General's office ended its arguments on Wednesday and was denied a motion to limit certain expert witnesses from testifying for the defense. I'm Jim Forbes.
1: 513, let's go down to Washington. House Speaker Mike Johnson... Putting forward a two-step funding plan to avoid another government shutdown with a full House vote not expected until tomorrow, reporter Julie Serskin is in Washington has more on what a shutdown would mean. It would
2: impact millions of American families who rely on food stamp benefits, Head Start programs for school, TSA agents would be backlogged, airline traffic, transit, infrastructure would be on pause, and certainly all of the people who work for the federal government would go without a paycheck.
1: Yeah. We've uh, run through this deal before. Elements of the plan were shared with House members on a conference call yesterday. The first part of the plan would extend funding until July 19th for only a select handful of departments. The second would extend funding for the entire government until February 2nd. Neither bill includes additional aid for Israel or Ukraine. A Senate Democrat uh, says he doesn't think much of this proposal, at least what he's heard of it. This is no
0: way to run a railroad. We shouldn't be in the position of having to pass multiple continuing resolutions
1: that's connecticut's chris murphy referring to house speaker mike johnson's two-step continuing resolution that would allow for some funding to run out on january 19th certainly not while we are facing these existential crises for our friends in israel and
0: ukraine i don't like this laddered cr approach it looks gimmicky to me but i'm open to what the house is talking about
1: yeah, getting tired of these government shutdowns. They happen, or at least the threat of them happens so often. Friday here is the deadline for Congress and President Biden to approve funding that would avoid that shutdown. All right, 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC sports desk. Another dreadful day for New York football. Here's Justin Allen.
3: Thank you, Noel Malait. And a dreadful day indeed. We will start on the gridiron in Dallas where to no one's surprise, the Giants got smacked around by the Cowboys 49 to 17 to drop their week 10 matchup. G-Men were out gained, 368 to 27 in the first half with Tommy DeVito as the first undrafted rookie to start for them at quarterback in the common draft. Eric DeVito was 14 of 27 for 86 yards with two TDs and an interception and route to the loss with which the G-Men fall to two and eight overall on the year. Comfortably good for last place in the NFC East. The Cowboys, on the other hand, I should say, moved to six and three with the win and own sole possession of second place in the division. In Vegas, Zach Wilson and the Jets came up short on a last-second hail mary, ultimately falling to the Raiders by a score of 16 to 12. Wilson passed for 263 yards, and Garrett Wilson caught nine passes for 93 yards. But the Jets have now gone 36. Consecutive drives without a touchdown. That won't get you very far in this league. Greg Zerline connected on field goals of 47, 53, 30, and 45 yards for New York, and he was the bright spot for game Green, which led 9-3 after his third field goal early in the second quarter. Zerline has made at least one field goal in 26 consecutive games, extending the NFL's longest active streak there. Week 10 is set to wrap up tonight with the Denver Broncos in Buffalo to meet the Bills on Monday Night Football. Kickoff is set for 8:15 p.m. in the Bills go in as seven-point favorites on the hardwood, but the Knicks and Nets registered wins yesterday. The Knicks toppled the Charlotte Hornets at the Garden by a score of 129-107, to behind Julius Randles a 23 points, five rebounds and five assists, while Jalen Brunson added 23, and Emmanuel quickly checked out with 17. The Knicks shot a season-high 54% from the field to win their third straight game. They'll be right back at it tonight in Boston, tipping it off. With the Celtics at 7.30 at the Barclays Center last night, Mikael Bridges had 27 points and 13 rebounds, and the Nets recovered after blowing a 17-point lead to ultimately beat the uh, Washington Wizards by a score of 102-94. to Cam Johnson added 14 points, and starting center Nick Claxton in just his second game of the season had 10 points. And thirteen rebounds. Is this too. part
1: of this tournament in in
3: tournament play? I don't really totally understand this. Tournament. I uh, I don't think these games were. Uh, oh, they're not. So uh, it's like some games and, are in tournament, right. and some are not. Some games are in tournament, some games are not. They're confusing. So, exactly. I think they're still in like the group stages. Oh, okay. so Friday night, I think there were some in in uh, in season tournament games, uh, but I don't believe the games yesterday were. Uh, that's, but that's, uh, I'm with I you on that. It. It, it's What's confusing, it and uh, you know, I, what I look for is like they play on the they play on these special courts, like these specially designed courts. Yes. So that's how. I kind of tell which games. Are oh, I, was, rich. I saw
1: Washington play
3: on Friday
1: right. in Washington, and it was a tournament game, and it was totally confusing. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, nobody exactly. really
3: knows what's going on in that regard, but apparently it's doing well, and the players like it. So I guess if the players are happy, yeah. what's not to like? All right. So we'll see, you know. Uh, finally, on the ice at the Garden, the Rangers beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 4 3 in shootout fashion. Lafreniere's second goal of the game tied with 11 seconds left in regulation, and then he had the only score in the shootout here the W. Crowder had a goal and an assist as well for the uh, Metropolitan Division leading Rangers. They're 9-0-1 in their last 10 games tonight. You've got Islanders hockey to look forward to as they make the trip to Edmonton to face off with the Oilers. The puck is uh, scheduled to drop at 8.30 p.m. tonight. No, that, that is sports. And I'm Justin Ellicott 77 WABC.
1: WABC News Time 520. Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, giving a long-ranging interview yesterday on his war with Hamas. He says there may be a deal in the work to free some of the hostage held by Hamas.
4: The middle we started the ground operation, things began to change. We weren't close at all until we started the ground operation. We heard that there's an impending deal of this kind or of that kind, and then we learned that it was all hokum. It was nothing.
1: Yes, so that implies that some of these, or maybe the majority of the hostages, some 200 over 200 of them may be alive. Netanyahu not giving a whole lot of detail, not showing his hand. The
4: less I say about it, the more I'll increase the chances that it materializes. And it's a result of pressure, military pressure.
1: Yes, so apparently there's some sort of deal maybe in the works for as many as 80 women and children and the elderly held captive to be set free. The number they keep throwing around as the number of hostages is around 240. At least 10 of them believed to be Americans. Uh, Meanwhile, the prime minister talking about how Israel is committed to protecting civilians in its war with Hamas in Gaza. Even
4: though Hamas has tried to prevent the civilians from leaving, uh, hundreds of thousands have left sometimes having to go through Hamas gunpoint, helping them by creating safe corridors. So we have designated routes to a safe zone south of Gaza City where there's no uh, fighting.
1: Yeah, so he says his military is doing its best to protect those civilians. Uh, He says the blame for civilian loss is on Hamas. We
4: want all the civilians to be removed out of harm's way, and Hamas is doing everything in their power
1: to keep them in harm's way. And Netanyahu says they're trying to get field hospitals set up in Gaza because uh, some of these hospitals are just overwhelmed. I asked the
4: Emirates. I asked uh, the French president to send a floating hospital ship. Uh, we've asked other countries to, uh, uh, the UN, UNRWA, and so on.
1: So far, not getting any help from other countries to help in Gaza. Let's move the patients out of these Hamas command posts to these
4: safe places. So far, they've moved a, a few patients, not enough.
1: And he claims that Israel uh, uh, has offered Hamas to provide fuel for that main hospital. And he says that offer has been rejected. We
4: offered actually to give them uh, enough fuel to operate the hospital, operate the incubators and so on, because we have obviously no battle with patients or with civilians at all.
1: And then uh, you had the president of Israel, which is, of course, different than the prime minister, doesn't have the power. The prime minister does also giving a long range interview yesterday, talking about a deal maybe in the works for the hostages. Qatar is trying to mediate. So is Egypt. Yeah, that's President Isaac Herzog. The report doesn't say that Israel is willing to release uh, murderers who are sentenced for life sentence. All right, we'll have to see if that deal goes through them. Meanwhile, back home, a House Republican, part of a bipartisan delegation in Israel, criticizing those who are calling for a ceasefire.
3: Hamas is not some organization that is going to abide by a ceasefire. They are hell-bent on eradicating the state of Israel.
1: Congressman Mike Lawler, there, the Hudson Valley congressman, demanding a ceasefire. He says uh, demanding a ceasefire, he said, would be totally misunderstood. And he says people who are calling for that don't understand the situation. Nobody
3: would call on the United States to engage in a ceasefire after uh, September 11th, 2001. It's irresponsible for us to call on Israel uh, to do that when they're trying to defend themselves.
1: And the war uh, between Hamas and Israel continues to play out here, the streets of the city, some big protests over the weekend. The pro-Palestinian group within our lifetime says they won't stop their protests until a ceasefire is agreed upon. We need to organize. We need to agitate. We need to move. They're also going after the Biden administration for what they call one-way support of Israel. They're
0: the ones funding. They're the ones giving the money and giving the weapons. So they need to stop. Palestine
2: is a mix of Christian, Arab, and Jewish communities. So only pushing a specific narrative for a specific set of people makes everybody else feel isolated, which is not fair. I think America only supports Israel because it's strategic.
1: There were uh, protests all over the city, some big ones in Brooklyn yesterday where they marched. It was a kids' protest where kids spoke, and then they marched to Senator Schumer's home in Brooklyn.
2: I'm disgusted that America gave or is giving $14 billion to basically kill more people. That I'm seeing propaganda on my TV, having my president lie in my face, having all these politicians who are just one-sided. It just makes me wonder, like, what is really happening?
1: Big uh, pro-Israel demonstration protests going to take place in Washington, D.C. tomorrow. 525, the U.S., South Korea and Japan will soon begin sharing up-to-minute information on North Korea's missile activity.
4: South Korea's defense ministry said Sunday the defense chiefs of all three nations have agreed to start a real-time sharing program in December. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin met in Seoul with the South Korean counterpart. Japan's Defense Minister Minoru Kihara joined the pair by phone and told reporters it marked the first time for the three ministers to hold such a gathering. They discussed the new three-way arrangement in the face of what one called severe security environments. They also condemned growing military cooperation between North Korea and Russia as a violation of UN resolutions. I'm Scott Carr.
1: WABC News Time 526 Let's go down to Texas. Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott signing a bill over the weekend that bans employers from requiring their employees to be vaccinated against COVID. It's long past time to put COVID behind us and restore individual freedom. The bill also bans any mask mandates in the future. Employers that violate this law are subject to a $50,000 fine as well as a lawsuit and injunctive relief from the Texas Attorney General that prohibits state and local governments from imposing COVID mandates. And there's new research out today that suggests gargling with salt water will keep COVID patients out of the hospital. Doctors in Texas found that patients who rinsed their throats and noses with a saline solution saw a reduction in their symptoms. You
4: increase the concentration of salt in the environment. It is possible that may prevent the
1: replication
4: of the viral
1: particles. Okay, Dr. Jimmy Espinosa, University of Texas. His health system says the effectiveness of the treatment needs to be proven in larger studies. But he said so far, it's awfully interesting what they found.
4: It generates a hostile
3: environment for the viral replication. So that could be one potential explanation. There is now accumulating evidence that the virus replicates in the upper respiratory tract, mainly in the nose, but also in the mouth.
1: Our own Curtis Slewa has his own method that he says has kept him COVID free. And remember during the height of COVID, you saw him out on the streets helping the homeless. And he says, I'm not suggesting you try this. This is I'm not advocating for this, but he uses rubbing alcohol, like places a little bit of it under his nose. Maybe he cleans his hands with it, too. I see him cleaning everything with rubbing alcohol. And he's convinced that is what kept him COVID-free uh, COVID at the height of the pandemic. But that's the Curtis lewa way. I'm not suggesting you go do that.
0: Talk Radio 77. WABC. <laughs> It's the The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know. With Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah. On 77 WABC.
1: Yep, that's me, 533. Good morning. It is Monday, November 13th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, cool. The high just 50. Tonight and overnight, some clouds. Low forty three, and then it actually gets warmer as the week wears on. Tomorrow, sun and clouds, high fifty five. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. Twenty nine and clear in Terrytown, up in Westchester County. Twenty six and clear in Pompton Lakes, down in New Jersey, and it is thirty five and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour talking about what we know about the Turkish government and the connection to Mayor Adams' twenty twenty one. Mayoral Campaign, federal authorities reportedly looking into whether the Turkish government benefited from donation to Eric Adams' 2021 mayoral campaign. According to sources familiar with the case, then-candidate Adams was asked by Turkish officials in September of 2021 to help keep the opening of the 35-story new home of the Turkish consulate on the east side on schedule. So this is the thought. At that point, Adams, who had won the Democratic primary but was not yet mayor, Uh, may have asked for some help. We don't know if this is true or not. This is just according to sources. The building was said to be waiting for a temporary certificate of occupancy from the fire department ahead of its scheduled grand opening later that month. In a statement, Adams chalked this up to constituent services. Uh, He hasn't said a whole lot about this since that press conference last week, but here he was yesterday. might be a little bit hard to hear him because it was kind of off mic. I'm really hoping... That, um, these periodic leaks stop. we're cooperating we to do this together yes yeah, so he's talking about the leaks in these cases and that's where we're getting some of our information from, according to sources, Adams received a text from the Turkish government official asking if he knew then-FDNY Commissioner Daniel Nigro. They say Adams reached out to Nigro on the matter, but it was not immediately clear whether he requested or directed him to do anything to fast-track that building opening. It said then that Nigro texted back that the building would receive the required approval in time for a September 20th opening. That's when the Turkish president was going to be in town for the United Nations General Assembly. This all comes after the FBI agents seized the mayor's electronic devices, including two phones and an iPad following event on Monday night, apparently to maybe retrieve the September twenty twenty one text message exchange. Adams, we should point out, has distanced himself from this case, which was um, brought on by the FBI, where they uh, went into his chief campaign uh, advisor fundraiser's home in Brooklyn now more than a week ago. And by the way, we should also point out he has not been charged in this case. All right, 536. Let's move out to Brooklyn. There was a lot of disappointment, frustration as migrant families turned around after arriving at Floyd Bennett Field, the new shelter there, the tent city, dragging their luggage, uh, looking around, then getting back on buses, saying this is not safe, it doesn't feel right. Um, Elected officials were watching on as well as these families came and started setting up at Floyd Bennett Field. Here's public advocate Jamani Williams.
4: The space is a problem. Of course, they may not come. Uh, that's probably better than coming and then being dropped off at a train station.
1: It was interesting to watch is as these buses pulled up, most of the families that arrived yesterday afternoon chose not to stay, got back on the bus. Now, the city said they weren't going to offer them any other accommodations, that they'd be on their own. Uh, 13 families in all ended up staying there. Now, this shelter can hold up to apparently 2,000 people. City Councilwoman, um, uh Joanne Ariola and State Assemblywoman Jamie Williamson were there yesterday as well. It
2: gets very cold here. it is a flood zone there's improper um uh, apparatus like fire hydrants for putting out any types of fires and it's a very isolated area. when you came in, you have to come all around so it's not a place where you put women and children, and then the facilities is just not you know, friendly, especially in the middle of the night if a child or an adult have to get up to go outside of the tent to use that bathroom. Yeah,
1: the Legal Aid Society had warned the city that this uh, shelter was just way too far away from anything, that you couldn't walk anywhere. You need the bus to get somewhere.
4: Isolated. It's very reminiscent of sort of a prison. This is the first time we've seen this. And if there's cities offering no alternative to them, um, It's leave New York City or go to Floyd Benefield.
1: And public advocate Jamani Williams speaking with those families who did decide to stay. There's only 13 people who decided to stay yesterday. We really need the
4: governor uh, to realize that right to shelters is statewide and open up some spaces across the state. And we need the White House to help uh, with the decompression strategy. When those things are not happening, they're just asking New York City to provide a national response. And we just don't have the ability to do that.
1: I will point out, I'll give credit to our own Curtis Lewa, who pointed out that this shelter was in an awful place, a transportation desert, and it seems like uh, families who showed up there yesterday realized that as well, got back on the bus and said, I'll take any other option except Floyd Bennett Field. WABC News Time 540. Lots of people breathing a sigh of relief here in the big city across the tri-state now that the sag after a strike is over. So many people connected to the industry in our area. I know. Even just on my block, there's one woman who's a set designer, told me she'd been out of work since May of last year, breaking into her IRA to pay some of the bills. Uh, Fran Drescher, the sag After president, celebrating uh, the signing or the, about to be the signing of this new deal. We
2: can have the protections that are entitled to
3: all workers in America.
1: So the union represents about 160,000 actors who have agreed to this deal with the movie and TV studios. When we
3: fight each
2: other because of partisanship, then somebody wins but it's not us yeah
1: so many sideline businesses of course put out of business catering business makeup people set design clothes designers i mean all those people have also been out of work with along with those actors so the deal they signed uh protections against artificial intelligence and increased pay for background uh actors those are among some of the issues addressed in this agreement between the actors union and the studios that strike of course went on for more than three months five forty two New York State's top court will hear arguments this week on whether the state's 26 congressional districts should be redrawn for 2024.
2: A lawsuit claims that the lines drawn in 2022 were a short-term solution. The case citing the state constitution requiring redistricting be done by an independent commission. Last year, the Court of Appeals declared that maps drawn by the Democratic-led state assembly were illegally gerrymandered. Democrats are leading the suit, saying that maps should once again be redrawn. Republicans disagree, saying that redistricting is a once-a-decade process. Outcome of the case could influence party control over the House of Representatives this coming election. I'm Liz Radavali for WABC News.
1: Watching on over the weekend, large-scale pro-Palestinian marches here in the city. One of them in Park Slope yesterday, outside Senator Schumer's home. Got it, got it, got it.
2: We are a loud voice demanding for a ceasefire, and our Senator Chuck Schumer has not demanded one. This least thing that he can do in a humanitarian way is look at our children and see the children in Gaza as his as well.
1: Marchers uh, making their way over the weekend to the New York Times building. At one point, Grand Central States, uh, Station forcing uh, some closure, disruption of Metro North service for a while. We're here
2: to make sure that not another genocide happens, that not a continuation of a genocide happens, and we're here to uplift
1: um, the Palestinian people. imagine I'll see some of these protests more of these over the coming days. 5.43. Finally, a bit of good news for renters here in the city. A new report from Douglas Elliman finds the rents in the city have dropped for a third straight month. But don't expect to find pre-pandemic prices anytime soon. And renters say... They're already paying so much, so the prices should not go up anymore. It's hard to live here. We're
2: looking at some apartment buildings that were going up on Third Avenue Bridge in the Bronx. And for three-bedroom, two-bathroom, it was 5900 Yeah, that's that a That seems of money. pretty absurd.
1: That does seem absurd. Jonathan Miller of Miller Samuel Real Estate says there are no bargains anywhere, just news that the rentals will likely not go up anymore.
4: Prices are no longer rising like a rocket ship uh, that we've, we essentially peaked in the summer. This has been a centuries-old challenge in New
1: York. Yeah. I mean, the rent's always been too damn high. It doesn't matter when you talk to people. Miller is a real estate appraisal expert. Says last month's average monthly rent in Manhattan... 4195 bucks. That got you, by the way, either a studio or a one-bedroom. But it's down 3.6% from the month before. Brooklyn's average saw a steeper drop, down 5% from September. But no matter who you talk to, they say it's, well, it's too damn high. It's extremely difficult. I think people are struggling a lot, so I don't know how this is going to keep going. Yeah, so overall, rents are still a staggering 16% higher than they were pre-pandemic. All right, 545. Let's head over to the 77W ABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Allen.
3: Thank you, Noam Alain. I'll Start on the gridiron here in Dallas where to no one's surprise, the Giants, they got smacked around by the Cowboys 49 to 17 to drop their week 10 matchup. The Giants were outgained 368 to 27 in the first half with Tommy DeVito as the first undrafted rookie to start for them at quarterback in the common draft era. DeVito was 14 of 27 for 86 yards with two TDs and an interception. And route to the loss, which with which I should say, the G-men fall to two and eight overall on the air, comfortably good for last place in the NFC East. The Cowboys, on the other hand, moved to six and three with the win and own sole possession of second place. In the division in Vegas, Zach Wilson and the Jets came up short on a last second Hail Mary, ultimately falling to the Raiders by a score of 16 to 12. Wilson passed for 263 yards and Garrett Wilson caught nine passes for 93. But the Jets have now gone 36 consecutive drives without a touchdown and that won't get you very far in this league. Greg Zerline, the kicker, he was the one bright spot here for New York, uh, making field goals of 47, 53, 30, and 45 yards for New York, uh, which led nine to three, the Jets that is, after his third field goal goal early in the second quarter. airline has made at least one field goal in 26 consecutive games, extending the NFL's longest active streak there. Week 10 is set to wrap up tonight with the Denver Broncos in Buffalo to meet the Bills on Monday Night Football. Kickoff is set for 8.15 p.m. and the Bills go in as seven-point favorites on the hardwood. Both the Knicks and Nets registered wins yesterday. The Knicks toppled the uh, Charlotte Hornets at the Garden by a score of 129-107 to 107 behind Julius Randles. 23 points, five rebounds, and five assists. While Jalen Brunson added 23 and Emmanuel quickly checked out with 17 of his own. The Knicks shot a season-high 54% from the field, threw in their third straight, and they'll be right back at it tonight in Boston, tipping off with the Celtics at 7.30 p.m. At the Barclays Center last night, Macal Bridges had 27 points and 13 rebounds, and the Nets recovered after blowing a 17-point lead to ultimately beat the Washington Wizards by a score of 102-94. to Cam Johnson added 14 points, in starting center Nick Claxton in just his second game of the season had 10 points and 13 rebounds to spark a huge rebounding advantage that would help the Nets' two victory. And finally, on the ice at the Garden, the Rangers beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 4-3 in shootout fashion. Lafrenier's second goal of the game, tied it with 11 seconds left in regulation. Then he had the only score in the shootout to secure the W. Chris Crowder had a goal and an assist as well for the Metropolitan Division leading Rangers, who are 9-0-1 in their last 10 games here at Red So Tonight, you've got Islanders hockey to look forward to as they make the trip to Edmonton to face off with the Oilers. That puck is scheduled to drop at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. No, that is sports, and I'm Justin Ollick on 77 WABC. All right, let's catch you
1: up on the big stories of the morning. One of them relates to what Joe was just talking about there. Amtrak temporarily suspending service between the city and Croton Harmon due to this parking garage. This is kind of a crazy story. Parking garage, West 51st Street and 10th Avenue. Penn Station, of course, is... 34th street but you realize how much track goes underneath the city on you might say no duh lots of subway track but train track too and so what happened was over the weekend on sunday all of a sudden a piece of this garage caved up to the down below and when they went and looked through this hole to see where it caved into they could see the train tracks below and so, obviously, they didn't want to disrupt this garage anymore, worried that the whole thing might come down. So they started canceling service yesterday, and they, in typical fashion, weren't great at getting the word out. So you had passengers who were at Penn Station waiting for these Amtrak trains to go to the Croton area, and they they didn't go.
2: The train's supposed to come at 340, and I'm just sitting here waiting It uh, told me it was canceled. They told me it was canceled at freaking 3.50. I'm like, it's already late. Like, you could have been told me this earlier, and I would have been, you know what I'm saying, made arrangements for that. But they didn't do that. It's just so inconvenient that I'm calling, and it's like nothing they can do. I'm just like, yeah, put me in a bad situation.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you could make some transfers and get on to other trains to get past there. But, um... Uh, This has people a little freaked out, especially people who have their car parked in this garage on 51st Street between 10th and 11th Avenue. The fact that there's a hole now in the garage makes them worried about parking their cars. There is everybody a little bit worried about just infrastructure in general across the city? And that
2: makes me really concerned about what is holding up this entire, like, 30-story building. There's just a web of things going on under our feet that we don't know about. And the more building we put on top of the ground... There's nothing, we're not really standing on solid foundation. And it
1: does, I, I sometimes I feel that way when we drive around the city too. It's like, how much is this as solid that I'm driving or walking on? But there's an example of, uh, when things don't work out well, so well, the Department of Buildings, of course, in there trying to figure out exactly what is happening. Down to Little Italy, where there was a fire in a six-story building, started about six o'clock last night. Nine firefighters injured, battling this blaze. It took about three hours to put out. On
0: arrival, we found heavy fire venting out of an apartment on the third floor. Uh, it quickly went up a staircase, an open staircase. Extended to the fourth, fifth and sixth floors and eventually to the roof.
1: Yeah. So uh, the good news about this is those nine firefighter injuries were being told this morning are minor. No word what started that fire in that little Italy building overseas. We're getting a little more information on from the Pentagon about these five American service members aboard an aircraft who were killed when it crashed into the eastern Mediterranean Sea on Friday night. Uh, Correspondent Aaron Gilchrist uh, at the White House says President Biden, First Lady Jill Biden, mourning those deaths. U.S. European Command
0: says the service members were killed during that routine air refueling mission. Uh, It says that that was part of military training.
1: So apparently no indications of any hostile activity. That was, of course, the first thought when it went down. The
0: initial military statement did say that this was purely related to training and that there's no indication of hostile activity. On this Veterans Day weekend, he again affirms what he calls the sacred obligation to those who volunteer to serve, as well as their families, their caregivers and supporters.
1: Yeah, so as of early this morning, the Pentagon not releasing the identities of those crew members until formal notifications of their families are complete. Let's bring it back here to New Jersey, a Jersey boy hitting the field yesterday for the first time in Dallas for a game against the Cowboys, Tommy DeVito. Uh, a Cedar Grove guy uh playing quarterback for the injured Daniel Jones. He had I mean it started terrible in the first half. He played better in the second half, but it didn't matter what he did in Cedar Grove because he grew up there and they were just excited to see him playing football. They a lot of people gathering in that hometown at Lombardi's to celebrate last night. I
0: think it's just it's just cool to actually see it and you know how how much it means to the family and to, to the town and everybody around, so amazing family just super super welcoming and they're so, just so excited for him right Yeah now. they
1: didn't, they said they didn't really care that he didn't have such a great game it was just fun to see him out there on the field a local boy making good Jersey City residents continue to react to the idea that former New Jersey governor Jim McGreevy wants to run for mayor of their city in 2025 Of course it all comes after his scandal that took him down more than
3: 20 years ago
2: I love him I have to love him he did a great job he was a uh helpful for all the needy, all the poor people.
3: He's a very good candidate, and I believe he can be responsible, and he can behave in a good way for Jersey City.
1: All right, so far, so good. McGreevy says he's running to help make Jersey City more affordable. Good, good luck with that. Since resigning, the Democrats served as the executive director of a reentry program for prisoners that he founded.
2: There's no way to park. You gotta pay to park on the street that you pay taxes on. Yep. It's ridiculous. Lower taxes. It would be nice if we had more public spaces for, and we're not developing every inch of Jersey City.
1: Of course, McGreevy resigned as governor after announcing that he had an extramarital affair and that he allegedly had helped the person he was having an affair with get essentially a no-show job. And finally... Rockefeller Center's iconic holiday landmark has officially been chopped down from a home in Vestal, New York, and then delivered to Rockefeller Center over the weekend. It was the McGinley family that donated their tree, and they said, actually, they thought maybe Rockefeller Center would come to them and ask them for their tree after this happened. So my brother-in-law pulled up, and he uh, scanned up, and he said, that could be a Rockefeller Center tree. And no one really thought much of it. (laughs) Yeah, but a short time later, the master gardener, there's a Rockefeller Center master gardener who knew. His name is Eric Paws. His job every year is to find the ultimate tree. And he said he saw the tree when he was up on a tip to look at another tree and said, I think this one's better. So he approached the family.
4: I saw it uh, last June. It was a beautiful shape. It was nice and tall, and I saw it over the top of the
1: house. And the family said, okay. The McGinley family said, you can have it. They said it was bittersweet to say goodbye to this tree because it's 80 foot tall, just a beautiful tree. It's
4: really not because the idea that we can be of service and we can act with a giving spirit i mean what a what an opportunity
1: it's amazing it's already the holiday season right so uh, thanksgiving what's well, not this thursday but the following thursday anyway you say what do they get what does the mcginley family get that they get to be front and center when that christmas tree is lit treated like vip's limo down beautiful hotel great dinners as part of giving away that tree to the rest of us so we can all enjoy it